Possibilities, flexibility, permanence, position, resourcing, identity, visibility, reach. Why are buildings useful? Because they resource and equip us to reach our town. 20 years ago, almost to the month, 170 adults from King's Church gave enough money to buy the King's Centre for £570,000. And it's been a fantastic tool for reaching Eastbourne. Six years ago, we launched our first venue as a church right here in Seaford. We're here in Seaford for those who aren't yet part of us. We're here to love and serve this town. We're here to reach the unchurched and the non-churched and the never gonna church. We're here to reach those who don't believe and those who used to believe and those who wish they could believe. We're here to invite people to explore Christianity for themselves and we're here to introduce people to the God who loves us, no matter who we are or what we've done. Around five years ago, I can remember being at a prayer meeting here in this pub in Seaford when we asked God, we said, God, please can we have a place that we can call home? And sometime after that, I was out having coffee with one of the local church ministers. And she said to me that they were planning on selling one of their buildings. When I asked her which building it was, I was amazed. It was the same one that we'd been asking for at that prayer meeting. Almost out of nowhere, the opportunities arisen for us to purchase the Crossway Centre, an old Methodist building dating back to 1894. For over a century, this building's been a place of worship, a place where the gospel has been preached and where people have come to know Jesus Christ. After six years of hiring spaces to meet, it's time for us in Seaford to set up our own home. Imagine what we can do with this place, a building in the heart of Seaford town centre. As well as church, imagine a space, a large auditorium-sized cafe or community area, somewhere with a soft play for kids and a, a coffee bar for paninis and crepes or smoothies with iPads on the wall. Imagine a place where kids want to come to hang out and parents want to come to relax and unwind. Imagine an area where friends come to gather and teens walking home from school just come and unwind after a day at school. We could put in a mezzanine floor here. We could knock that wall through there. We could open it up or not. What we do to the building's up to us. What we do with it is clear. We're here in Seaford for Seaford to serve this town. And this could be our first home, a base out of which we can celebrate the message of Jesus and demonstrate its life-altering implications to the world. So let me show you around, come on. This is the main hall in here. We'll have church and lots of things going on in there. Around the corner here, toilets, uh, kitchen. Look at this, we can cook meals and run courses, do several groups and things. And then here, this is a, a big space for prayer meetings perhaps, or for parent and toddler groups, or for activities that young people can run, after church coffees, that kind of thing, I don't know. Come upstairs. Okay, so up here, this is where we'd have our children's works. This is a large space that can be altered and the, the walls can be moved, but this is three classroom-sized rooms for the kids' work. One, two, three. 
of course with its own kitchen and toilet as well we've got office space or meeting rooms that kind of thing and then something really exciting up here So upstairs in the loft, we've got this massive space that could be turned into a hangout area um, that could be very nice and atmospheric, somewhere for some of our youth work to take place, perhaps. We need around £125,000 to act as a deposit on this building. We then need a regular income substantial enough to service a mortgage. So I'm coming to you, the church, to ask you to give whatever you can towards making this a reality. Are you able to give a one-off gift towards the purchase of Crossway? Or are you able to start giving for the first time? Or perhaps increase your regular giving for a time? Perhaps you're in a position that you're able to offer us an interest-free loan that we can repay over time. Or perhaps you've got an extra kidney you don't need. This is our chance, your chance to put your money towards something that's going to have an impact for the gospel locally and that's going to result in many more people becoming followers of Jesus. And that, after all, is why we're here. This is just part of how we're going to achieve that. What is God saying to us for the next 30 years? <laughs> Sometimes people come up and say, what is the vision? Where's the direction? Well, let me try and unpack. I say 30 years. Why? Because next year is the 30th anniversary of King's Church. Some of you have been here right from the very beginnings. Have we got any of the intrepid pioneers from those early days? Well done. Okay, 30 years ago, you were a baby at the time. Well done. 17 intrepid people got in their carts and on their horses. <laughs> and they moved all the way from Hastings to Eastbourne. And others joined them uh, some 29 years ago. Intrepid pioneers. What does our future look like? Well, for 20 years, this year, we have been in this building. That means from the mid-80s, people made a decision to start building a local church community expressing the love and the joy and the peace and the radical nature of what Christian community looks like right here in the middle of this community alongside other churches. And 20 years ago, in the mid-90s, less than 100 people made the decision to say, let's go and build a home. Let's have a home. Let's move into a home. Let's come into the King's Centre. So what we've got for the next 20 or so years, I felt that. I felt the pressure. A couple of weeks ago, I knew I was having a couple of weeks off. I was preparing this two weeks ago. God, I said, what can I say to the people on this day that I'm meant to be sharing with you some heart and vision? And I was walked up the garden path. I was going into my home, and I felt as if God say, go and read the passage about how I opened doors and closed doors to Paul when he was on his missionary journeys. So I did that. I looked it up in Acts chapter 16 to try and find out whether there's some lessons that we can learn as to what the future, and, uh, what the future holds for us. So Acts chapter 16, and it will come up on the screen. So Paul, he came first to Derb, then to Lystra. And he found a disciple there by the name of Timothy. He was a son of a devout Jewish mother and a Greek father. 
Friends in Lystra and Iconium all said, what a fine young man he was. <laughs> Paul wanted to recruit him for the mission, but first took him aside, circumcised him so he wouldn't offend the Jews who lived in those parts. They all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they presented the simple guidelines the Jerusalem apostles and the leaders had come up with. Let's just pause there a sec. If you look it up in chapter 15, you'll see that the church leaders, okay, church hadn't been going very long, but the key figures in the church had got together, kind of like a summit meeting, a council of the leaders, and they discussed what are the key core things that we should be absolutely pushing out into all these people who are becoming Christians, converting to Christianity, what are some of the key messages that we should be teaching them? And so they had a council meeting, and then they gathered, and then they dispersed the people to go and pass on the news, and Paul was one of those people. That turned out to be most helpful. Day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size. A couple of examples of what a healthy church should look like is that they're growing in faith and they're growing in size. Why do we need to be a community that is growing in faith? Why? Because we're going to increasingly live in a community that is going to be hostile towards us. Some of you will have picked up in recent weeks the online discussion about King's Church here in Eastbourne, uh, a lot of hostile reaction to us as a church. And I looked at this and I read this and it deeply saddened me because many of the comments that were being made and the editorials that were being uh, pushed out onto the internet do not reflect us whatsoever. And people were saying unkind things and ungracious things towards us. And I go, how do I respond to this? And then I started to get strengthened in my faith. If God is for us, who can stand against us? If God is for us, who can stand against us? And so we get strengthened in our faith. It's a sign of a healthy church. So actually, at the back end of chapter 13 of Acts, as I was reading it, there was a certain amount of unpleasantness, and people were standing up in opposition to the gospel being preached, but it says right at the end that the people were full of the Holy Spirit, and they were full of joy. I want us to be a community that even when we face hostility, that we're still saying, hey, we're full of the Holy Spirit, and we've got joy in our life, because we've been strengthened in faith, because we know that God is with us, and if God is with us, no one and nothing can stand against us. It's a sign of a healthy church. Another sign of a healthy church is that it's growing. Growing in life. Growing in new life. I love the fact that we have lots of babies. I love the fact that physical, biological babies are running around, especially in the nine o'clock meeting. They're all over the place. I love that. But do you know what? I love the fact that we're growing through spiritual birth as well. People are being added to this because people are coming to an understanding of the good news of what Jesus is all about. Let's carry on. Let's get back to the Bible first. Where we got up to, Simon? Okay. Uh, they went through Phrygia and then on through the region of Galatia. Their plan was to turn west into Asia, uh, but the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Mysia and tried to go north to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. Proceeding on through Mysia, they went down to the seaport Troas. That night, Paul had a dream. All Macedonians stood, on the far sh- uh, uh, Macedonians stood on the far shore and called across to the sea. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And the dream gave Paul his map. He went to work at once, getting things ready to cross over to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. 
I looked at this verse. I looked at these verses and said, God, what is it you're wanting to say through this passage? And I felt three things. He said, Graham, encourage the people to continue to be led by the Spirit, to build local church and to bless lots. Be led, build local, bless lots. So what does it look like to be led by the Spirit of God? Now, Paul, Paul at this time, remember, early church leader, he'd been going around starting off new churches. Whatever town he went into, he would gather people together, start a new church. He'd done kind of a loop around. And then he wanted to go around on another loop, revisiting these churches. And he went around just to encourage them, to build them up, to help them to keep going, to come on, you're doing what it's good. It's important for us to go back over what we've been doing in recent years, encourage to build up. It's great to see what is taking place in Seaford, seven years now in. Uh, Belinda and myself were there a couple of weeks ago. It's a loving, great, uh, passionate community who just want to impact the local community uh, in Seaford, for Seaford. Uh, I love that kind of expression. It's great to see what is taking place down in the town centre, connecting with the local community right in the heart of Eastbourne. We need to go back. We need to revisit. We need to be encouraged. We need to feel that we're part of this. But I felt as if God said, you know, we need to be led by the Spirit. We can see that when Paul is in this situation, he tries to go west into Asia, and then he tries to go north into Bithynia. But on both occasions, God said, no, I don't want you to do that. He then gets a dream, and he says, instead of going west, and instead of going north, I want you to head across the sea, uh, northern Greece, into Macedonia. And immediately, it says that they left everything, caught a boat, and headed off to uh, Macedonia. They pushed one door and the Spirit said no. They pushed another door and the Spirit said no. And then the Spirit of God spoke to them. We as a church need to be people who are listening to what God is saying. It's absolutely right in the DNA of who we are. Back in the 80s, go and start a church, plant a church, be a part of the community in Eastbourne for Eastbourne. Let's go. Let's do it. Some people travel across and we're part of that. Right in the early days of King's Church, right in the heart of it was this DNA that we are going to be responsive to what the Spirit is saying to us. And then back in the 90s, people made a decision to say, do you know what, let's buy the King Centre. We feel that this is what the Lord is saying. 60 to 100 people made that decision to come in. And then there was leadership transitions birthed in the prophetic. And then there was a moment, I remember one of the biggest early calls that I made. I was, I was on a train. I was heading off to Dartford. I don't often catch a train. I certainly don't often go to Dartford. And not Catford, Catford, let's get my bearings right. Dartford, Catford. And I was on the train at Catford and I felt, I was thinking about what should we do? We've got a gift day coming up. How do I present this to the church? We wanted to pay down the mortgage. We had a mortgage then of something like £318,000. We wanted to go, how can we pay that down? Because the money that we're paying in interest payments and the money that we're paying, uh, to get, it wouldn't it be amazing if we can pay down that one? How do I communicate that? It doesn't sound very exciting. doesn't to say, hey, we want to pay off some of our mortgage. And I felt as if God said to us, don't look to pay it down, look to pay it off. Oh, really? Seriously? I remember standing up in front of the church and saying, I feel as if God is saying, don't just pay it down, but pay it off. And then the church responded, you responded. And on that gift day, when £360,000 was given, just cleared off the mortgage, which allowed us to invest into new ministries and new ventures. It allowed us to start in Seaford and it allowed us to come down into Central in the town centre. This is a sense of saying, be led by the Spirit. Continue to be led by the Spirit. Now, a year later, another challenge came. I, I, I was with Belinda on a leadership conference and 
we were sitting at the back which is where we usually go when there's a leadership conference. And uh, we were sitting towards the bag of 400 people, kind of, you know, inconspicuous, let's, let's hide. And uh, we were there, and the, the meeting had finished, and the chap who was hosting the meeting, chairing it, as it were, he stood up, and he came onto the platform. He was just about to close it down to send everyone off to a break, and he stopped. He said, Graham Marsh, <laughs> the Lord says, give it all away. Oh, now, obviously, it didn't mean me personally give it all away. He is obviously meaning me and the church. And um, that, that's how I interpreted it anyway. <laughs> to be honest, we became the most popular people on that entire conference in the next few days. But we came back on that Friday and we stood up. And on the Sunday, we stood up in front of the congregation and said, you know what, we're taking the gift day next week. And the Lord says we are to give it all away. Okay. And that's exactly what we did. £120,000 was just given away. And it's seed funded and able to support things like Food Bank and Matthew 25 and other initiatives that we're launching out. And many people were just blessed because we just felt as if we led by the Spirit. It just said, give it away. Wow, we could have done a lot with £120,000. We want to be people who are being led by the Spirit. Be led. Push one door, doesn't open. Push another door, doesn't open. Push another door, see if it opens. So recently we felt as if God has said to us, you know, leadership switches. You know, you've got Ollie Wendy down in Central, switch Andy and Lynn. Commend you, Ollie and Wendy. Commend Andy and Lynn. Commend the church, how well you have responded to that. The, the, the whole Seaford, how to, the, the church in Seaford, to connect with that community. Come on, let's release Seaford more in order to do more in terms of reaching in Seaford for Seaford. Buildings come along. How do we respond? What do we do that? Come on, let's in faith respond to that. And then here in Hamden Park, we, we, we felt as if God was saying to us, he said, look, start to utilize the building in line with a vision. And we go, what, what does that mean? Now, we've been pushing doors. We have had have been pushing doors. We've been asking the questions. Should we reinvest back into this building? Should we utilize the resources that we have by relocating somewhere else? So we've approached landowners and we've approached the council and we've approached people who have owned property and we've approached here and there and we've gone to another places. Do you know what? And we've heard nothing back. Push the doors, push the doors, push the doors. No doors have opened. Except the door. That the Lord said to us, start to utilize the building in line with your vision. So that's what we're going to do. Now, nine years ago, Blinda and myself, we bought a house. It was a new house. So we, it's an exciting story that went behind the house. And, you know, we kept walking past it. And one day we pushed a letter through the door, said, hey, if you ever feel like selling it, we'd like to buy it. And the people eventually came back and said, okay, we'll sell you the house. And it was too much money. And we said, we can't afford it. How much you can afford it? They took a lot of money off. And we said, thank you very much. And we moved into that. There's a bigger story. But some people came around that house when we first got it. And they said, what on earth have you done? Other people could see the vision. Because we could see what could be achieved as we walked into the house. Now, if we approach the King's Centre now, which has been amazing, it's been an amazing resource, but if we now approach the King's Centre with fresh set of eyes to say, how do we now utilise this building in line with a vision that God is giving to us, what are we going to do about it? 
What would we do? What walls would we change? What, what kitchens? What furnishings? What this? What that? What toilets? What, what would we be doing with this building now which helped us to achieve what we believe God is calling us to? So we started that process. A couple of weeks ago, we sat down with an architect and we started to share the dream. A building that was in Eastbourne for Eastbourne. I don't know if you know this, but we say run some toddler groups. It's so undervalues when we say that because we have three toddler groups that meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. There's 200 families trying to get into our toddler groups. And we want to provide the best place for young families. And it's an absolute opportunity that we have in order to be connecting with the thousand babies in the family that are born and live in this town every year. A few weeks ago, there was a, there was a breakfast that took place. You know, Julie and the team gather people in and say, come on, for breakfast, how can we pray for you? What's going on in your life? And, and they, had more, they had the biggest breakfast they've ever had a few weeks ago. And so Julie had been doing that, then setting up a focus group, and then Belinda was there. She, she just saw this. She just saw that a young mum came in in floods of tears, and Julie just immediately went to her and just sat her down and just spent time with her. And it turns out this lady, she, the previous day, had had a miscarriage. And the place that she could get the support I was sitting down with Julie, and Belinda overheard and just said, can I just pray with you now? It's not just helping in a parent and toddler group. This is introducing people to Jesus. Then there's the teens. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we ran a, an event here called uh, Unit 27. Sort of a nightclub feel. 140 teenagers came along to it. What would it look like if we started to utilize this building not only to, to be the best absolute resource for young families to support, to bless, to encourage, to, to give them the best start in life. What would it look like with teenagers? Imagine if we could have like rooms designated, built specifically, that were going to be there to encourage teenagers. 500 teenagers a week coming into the building, encouraging them in their education, encouraging them in life stuff and, and, and apprenticeship opportunities, in a social environment, a positive activity-based environment that teenagers can come into. Wouldn't that be amazing if we as a church, that is so in line with our heart and our vision. And then what if we could start to utilize this building day in, day out, week in, week out, to start connecting maybe with the more senior end of the community? Because we want to play our part in eradicating loneliness in this town by introducing them to this community. And once into this community, guess what? We can introduce them to Jesus. So we want to start to explore how we can redevelop and rebuild and refurbish. And in the middle of all that, I know some of you will be greatly relieved to know that we'll also probably want to refurbish the toilets as well. If you want to donate to the toilets, I'm happily will name the toilets after you. <laughs> You've heard me say it right now. Do you know what? It's time to refurbish the building in line with a vision and make it fit for the next 20 years. 20 years. We know that some of it is wearing a little bit thin in places. We know that with the signs that go, please don't use this toilet please don't use this room 
We know that we need to invest in here, but let's invest for the next 20 years. We already have the equivalent of the Macedonians saying, please help. The families, the teens, the older people, the refugees. So later on this year, into the autumn term probably, to coincide with the 20th anniversary, we're going to do part two. You know the video, part one, part two. We will present to you the plans, the ideas, the vision, the walkthroughs. We'll have the Kevin McLeod introduction of everything. We'll climb on the roof if you want us to climb on the roof. Just to share with you what we want to build. And then we'll go for a gift day. And over the next year, wouldn't it be amazing? The 570000 that was invested in the first place was reinvested and make fit for purpose in the future. For Eastbourne, in Eastbourne, for this community. Redevelop the Sussex Room for everyday community. Redevelop the foyer to open it up. Redevelop the Devon and the sports hall and the toilets and additional car parking and access into the building. All the dream, all the plans because we want to ultimately introduce people to Jesus. So we're going to continue to be led. Push the doors. We tried here, we tried there, we tried here, we tried there. Nothing else has opened. And then the Lord said, <laughs> start utilizing the building. Be led, build local. The next part of the story, when Paul reached the city of Philippi, which is the kind of like the capital lead city in the area, he went into the city, and you would be able to pick this up in verse 11, we're just time in time. And Paul goes into the city, well, it wasn't a synagogue, so on the Sabbath day, gathered by the river where people would be gathered to pray. He met a lady there called Lydia. He speaks to Lydia. Lydia believes in Jesus. She was a devout woman, a believer in God. He introduces Jesus to her and it changes her life and she becomes the number one Christian in the whole of the city. She was the first. Now, that was a good start. But then Paul continued to be preaching his message and then alongside him, as he was going from street to street and, and around kind of like the town and the city houses, there was this, it says a psychic slave girl <laughs> kept coming up to Paul while he was trying to preach, interrupting him in his preaching, telling everyone, you must listen to them. He's preaching about the most high God. They're laying out the road of salvation. Kept, he said, let me tell you about Jesus. You must listen to him. He's telling you about Jesus. No, and he's trying to preach. And in the end, it says that Paul kind of got a little bit irritated and fed up, turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. <laughs> and the woman was quiet because the spirit that was in her left. And we don't know what happened to the lady. Perhaps we jumped to a conclusion that she believed in Jesus and she became number two in the church. So, so far we have a lady called Lydia who was a dealer in fine cloth. She was a businesswoman. And now we have an ex-psychic slave girl. But the ex-psychic slave girl's owners weren't very impressed with this because suddenly their lucrative business had gone out of business. And so they stir up a lot of trouble and Paul uh, is arrested and gets thrown into prison illegally. Well, starts off well, didn't go so well. Here was an open door. Sometimes with an open door, things turn ugly. But even when they turn ugly, there's opportunity. Because while they were worshipping and praising God in prison, 
A massive earthquake shakes the foundations of the prison and all the doors and everything is opened up and if they wanted to, they could have run into freedom, I guess, along with all the other prisoners. And the jailer came running in, as panicking, worrying about the fact that everyone would have gone by now. All of his charges, all of those people in prison, probably have all fleed. He was beside himself what was going to happen. And Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. Why? What? They're all here. Being inside a prison in the middle of an earthquake is not the safest place to be. And here was an opportunity for people to run, but no one ran. Because the gospel is so compelling. So the Philippian jailer, he becomes a Christian. So now we've got the original A-team forming. We've got Lydia the businesswoman, the ex-psychic slave girl, and the prison officer. Maybe with a few prisoners thrown in. The original A-team. Because building local church is always God's plan A. And we're going to continue to build local church. It's God's plan. A plan of ordinary people. Anyone feel ordinary? (laughs) That's great. Because through ordinary people, God is going to do something extraordinary. And we saw that. Nearly 30 years ago with 17 people. And I know some of them. And they were not extraordinary people. Ordinary people. Being obedient to God. So with Jez and the guys over in Seaford, that's what it's been about. We've been about building a local church community. In the community. For the community. Because we believe in the value of belonging to local church. Build local Some of you might be called to church planting. Now, I've actually quite got used to most of you. And I quite like a lot of you. But I know that some of you are called to go to other things that God has got planned. And we're connected with a number of church plants. Some of you might be going to Berlin or to Brussels or to Bex Hill. Being obedient to what God is saying. Because God wants to build local church, local communities that are an expression of the kingdom of God. And some of you are called to build this local church, to use your ordinary abilities, just simply giving up to Jesus, your willingness in your surrender and in your obedience to join the adventure. You see, you know that we're not here to simply put on or provide a Sunday daycare center. We're here to be providing a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like. Kingdom of peace, kingdom of joy, a kingdom of justice, kingdom of freedom, kingdom of salvation. So we're going to be a church community that continues to be led by the Spirit. A church community that continues to build locally. And thirdly, I love us to be a community that continues to bless lots. A little bit later on, Paul, who we've just been reading about, was writing to another church. He wrote to this other church in the city of Corinth. And this is what he said of the church in Macedonia, the the one we've just been reading about. The one made up of Lydia and the ex-slave girl and the prison officer. This is what he said of them. 
Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and the generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading, pleading for the privilege of helping out the relief of poor Christians. Three signs of a healthy church. One, that they're growing in faith. One, that they're growing in numbers. And thirdly, that they're growing in generosity. A few weeks ago, Ian, good friend of ours, provoked and challenged us. What would it look like if, if every member of kings were committing themselves to bringing justice and advantage and blessing into this world? What if? What if? What if? What if we could stand up and speak for those who can't speak? And what if we could stand up for those who, are, who need us standing up for on their behalf? What if we stood in the gap and became a voice for those who could not defend themselves? What if we were there to give every single person who needed help a helping hand? I love that this new church community had grown in that reputation. This local church, led by the Spirit, Simply wanting to bless others. That's where we're heading. That's no different. It's no different. It's who we are. It's our DNA. From those who started 30 years ago, for those who are with us now, been here a matter of weeks, and might be here for the next 30 years, we're going to continue to push doors. We're going to continue to look for opportunities. We're going to continue to see what the Lord opens. And when it opens, we're going to be a people who will step into that. We're going to remain being a people who are going to be committed to building local churches. Whether here, further afield. And we're going to continue to be a church that just looks to bless others. Lots. Because we want others to know the goodness and the faithfulness and the kindness and the generosity of a heavenly father. Shall we stand together and let's just pray. The band is going to come up. I know we have run out of time. We'll just sing the one song and then we're done. (laughs) We just come, God. Let me come. Obedience and willingness. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Simply, we can't be led unless your Spirit speaks. We can't build anything unless your Holy Spirit is building with us. And we will not have a heart of generosity unless your Holy Spirit enables us to believe in you. God, help us to be all you want us to be to continue to be all that you want us to be. As we look down the next decades, God, I pray that you help us to remain true to everything that you say, that we will genuinely be a people who will continue to be led by your spirit, continue to build locally, to continue to bless lots, and continue to play the bass guitar so well. Bass loudly, I think was that.
God, we pray for this in your name, for your glory. Amen.